it's a great responsibility being a man. And it used to be that it was a, a huge responsibility to be a man. And I still and I still think that's a very, very respectable burden to bear. And I I believe that, you know, most most men don't bear that burden and most men don't see the responsibility that they have to the world, whether they're distracted or whatever it is that's, you know, keeping them from seeing the quote unquote light that is the responsibility that we have as men, as providers or producers or protectors. I, I wholeheartedly believe in that responsibility. Improving yourself as a man goes back as far as, you know, the first, whatever, the first homo sapiens or the, you know, whoever, whoever it was, you know, whatever it was, anthropologically, evolutionarily, it goes back as far as humans go as men have always been proving themselves. That's always been a part of a man's life is being able to prove his utility, whether it's for mating purposes or for leadership purposes of a tribe. It's always been a priority. And it's just now, you know, recently within within the lines of this whole, the whole testosterone depletion and the whole decline of testosterone in men, you're seeing that the competition the urge to prove yourself as a man has also gone down too, or it's just not there at all. Welcome to the Intent Podcast. I am your host, Brian Kimson, and today I'm talking with Power Rhetoric, who runs an Instagram account focused on very, very simple and hard-hitting content. And on today's episode, we talk about all things masculinity, what it is to be a man, what it means to be a man in today's society, the current state of society as we find it at present, and so many other topics. And I'm really excited for you to hear the conversation that we had. And there were many times listening to him speak during our conversation where I was actively building on my understanding of masculinity. So really, really great conversation. And I'm excited for you to hear it. Without further ado, let's get right into it. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate being here. Super stoked to have you here. Uh, everybody, this is Power Rhetoric. Yeah, Power Rhetoric, formerly known as Flow Modus. <laughs> Beautiful. Dude, I, I mean, I love the Flow Modus name, but the the Power Rhetoric is, is super, super dope, especially with the um, the content that you've been putting out. Like people seeing the response that people have had to such a simple form of content is really, really cool. Can you talk a little bit about where, because I know that you're you're damn good writer from, from what I've read from you. Um, can you talk about like where the idea for this style of content came from? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for uh, the compliment. I appreciate that. I'm uh, definitely trying to improve my writing as, you know, as, as much as I can. I think it I think it comes with a lot of reading too and then obviously you know trying to uh, mirror the the good writers that i've that i've you know seen so um as far as my content goes i mean i've been around for quite a bit for you know as far as the instagram sphere goes or or the masculinity or you know the now people are calling it the solar sphere but you know i don't really <laughs> i don't really um identify with that <laughs> <I don't, laughs> um anyway uh, you know, as far as the content goes, it was, it's been quite a transformation from, you know, from where I started to now. Um, a lot of the captions before were, you know, long-winded or um, full of information, but long-winded and, you know, 
with with the attention spans that individuals have now. I just don't think that really hits the mark. Like the the simple in your face, blunt, honest, you know, five to ten word captions that I put on a picture now do. Um, you know, I I don't really know how it started. I just decided one day that you know I think I was on a break from work and I decided like hey you know I, I had a couple stories that I had posted a, a while ago actually with with that kind of new content style on them um and for whatever reason they had come back up in my feed I don't know how but um so I decided to save it and then I, I posted one of them and then you know that quote-unquote blew up for me you know it got over a thousand likes and most of my content typically you know doesn't get that and you know since I started posting you know I've, I've been getting you know thousands of likes and and tons of outreach and, and tons of uh tons of impressions on those posts which is super cool so i think you know it really just boils down to the simplicity of it um you know i don't have all the time in the world anymore to you know to devote to writing those you know lengthy captions and including all that information in there so i think this is kind of like a best of both worlds for for that and the name power of rhetoric is like mm -hmm. just a, a perfect reflection of like what what the content is it's just like like you said just like really short like phrases sentences that hit hard like people see those while they're scrolling it's like oh yeah and, and the beautiful thing about them is too it's like it's truth like mm -hmm. it's it's something that like you read and you're like damn like that hits hard so i think that's that's really really beautiful and like the the approach to with whether we'd like to admit it or not attention spans are dimin diminishing so yeah. like having it be in such a way that people can see it in this and, and in a split second mm -hmm. um, react and respond to it, I think is really, really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think getting away from the information overload that is social media and trying to, you know, like I said, dumb it down, simplify it to the point where it's like, okay, I see the post and the, in, the information or the value of the post is literally right there in front of my face. I don't have to, you know, I, I can read the caption. I can read, you know, the, the, the extra caption at the bottom of the picture, but I don't necessarily have to, to get the value of the post. So yeah. that was kind of a, you know, definitely subconscious because I wasn't even really thinking about the impact that it would have. I just, I, I liked the way it looked and I decided to trial it. That's kind of, that's, that's what my, you know, posting is, it's, it's a ton of trial and error. So. Yeah. And the value too, just like in such a short period of time, it's just like right there. You know, in a way it's, it's kind of taking advantage of, you know, people wanting that quick fix, right? People want the, you know, the, the results quickly and reading a, a post like that. I mean, you, that gives you what you need fast. So, and whether it's an, you know, an honest truth like that, like I'm trying to, you know, give to people. So, yeah feed people motivation on a silver on a silver platter yeah it's more like force more like force feeding but you know however <laughs> yeah. however it works and however they take their medicine i'm fine with it yeah there you go so uh, everybody listening um definitely check out power rhetoric um on ig that's where he is primarily posting really really good content but i, I want to dive in a little bit about before you started to take this approach to your social media you were posting a little bit more about your life posting more personal snippets of like personal writing and stuff like that and it really uh, i mean that's that's really how i gravitated toward your page and your work just just the mindset that's one of the things i love about social media instagram specifically because you can tell a lot about a person 
and, and a lot of people would call this like, oh, you're just judgmental. But no, there's this thing called discernment. And, and seeing the way that you carried yourself on social media, I was definitely drawn to that. So I would love to hear a little bit about your life philosophy. Let's go big and maybe start with how you start your day specifically, and then maybe flow into your life philosophy and how you go about your days. Yeah, for sure. Um, I keep everything simple, of course, right? That's the, that's kind of like the new, it's a new buzzword is simple. Um, but I mean, it, it, it's really effective. So I, I, that's number one for me. Um, most days, you know, I'll, I'll wake up and it, this also depends on my schedule too. So let's just say, you know, I'm not working. So most days I'll wake up, um, I'll get out of bed and, you know, you know, I'll take care of everything that you have to take care of after you get up. But, um, you know, first thing is hydrating. Um, Got to get water in because it's been, you know, 8, 10, 12, depending on how many hours you sleep. You're lucky if you're getting 12 hours of sleep. Good on you if you do. Um, you know, but I'm, I'm hydrating and then trying to see sun if I can. So um, I'm definitely following those principles um, pretty strictly if I can. Um, after that, you know, I'll get five, 10 minutes of sun, drink some water. It's typically a cold shower. So it's, it's honestly, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty cookie cutter, but I found that this works, you know, pretty well for me. Really quick. Yeah. Cause a lot of people have a lot of different opinions on the cold shower. I personally love them. I can't wait to get an ice bath to be hopping in 35 degree water every single morning. Like, what do you experience with the cold shower and why is it something that you just like opt for over a hot um, shower? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, it, it's something, honestly, it really boils down to me just doing something that I don't want to do first thing in the morning. Like I just got out of a warm bed. I didn't really want to wake up, but I got out of bed anyway. So there's a small win there. I don't really want to get into a cold shower. I don't really want to be cold or uncomfortable, but you know, I'll do it anyway because I know it's good for me. So those are that, you know, those are two small wins for the day. You know, and, and I've been up for what, you know, 15, 30 minutes, whatever it is, as far as the benefits, you know, it just feels, it feels good. You get out of the shower and you feel good without going into the science of everything. You know, people can, people can look into that themselves, but we'll link a Huberman episode. Yeah. yeah I was just going to say, yeah, I just feel good when I do it. Uh, and it feels good starting the day doing something that, you know, I don't really want to do. So it's that, that, uh, limbic friction link Huberman again uh doing things that you don't want to do because you know you know you're they're they're good for you and it's, it's building it builds resilience for me mentally and obviously you know you get all the benefits from it as well physiologically so um that's that's typically that's typically like those are like the core things that i get in my mornings and then everything else is kind of secondary so you know i'll, I'll have my coffee typically mix that with you know heavy cream and shilajit um and then i'll i'll read Typically, I'll, I do uh, nonfiction in the morning. So right now I'm reading Extreme Ownership, which is a good book. And then I save my fiction for nighttime when I need a little escape before I go to bed. And then there's intention behind all of those like morning rituals, right? And that really speaks to the person that you are and the energy that you bring into not just, you know, the morning rituals and, and the way that you start your day, but every area of your life, right? The, the person that opts for doing the, the difficult thing and the uncomfortable thing because they know that it's what they need, that is the same person that approaches their work the same way. 
and their relationships the same way and their contribution to community the same way. So how would you characterize your like life philosophy and how you approach your life? That's a good question. And it's a, it's a deep question. You know, this can be an actual, you know, pretty profound question to be asked because we all have some kind of subconscious wiring, whether it's the environment that we were brought up in or how we were raised as children, right? We all have some sort of philosophy that maybe, you know, maybe we don't even know that exists. Um, and, you know, you bringing up the intent behind the practices that I do, I think, I think having intention is probably one of the biggest pieces of my philosophy, like living with intention, bringing that kind of energy into every practice that I do. I think that's a big part, you know, of why I am the way I am and, and why I operate on the, you know, the frequencies that I do and why I bring what I do to the table for whether it's a relationship or, you know, friendships, kinships, my, my work. I really pride myself on the type of energy that I bring forth and the type of energy that I give to others. So I think, you know, the, the philosophy, as far as intent goes, I really, I really believe in bringing that, you know, just a very high positive energy to, you know, every situation, whether it's good or bad. And, you know, I don't do that for anybody else but myself, but obviously it's going to be infectious to others, right? I, there's no reason for me to go into a situation negatively. And even if I do feel negative about the situation, I'm going to do my best to, you know, open myself and open my heart to, you know, being positive and, and actually allowing myself to sit back and, you know, yeah, it may not be the best situation, but you can still find enjoyment in it and you can still be positive and still bring light to other individuals' lives. So my philosophy revolves around you know, my intent and, and the way I, the way I, the way I bring myself to others and, and the way I give my energy to others. Damn profound. Obviously like that resonates with me podcast names, the intent. Um, I think that's, you know, living with intention is an incredibly simple and incredibly powerful way to live your life and like focus, focus your energies just down to the moment, right? Why am I doing this? I love that question. Just why? Mm -hmm. What for? Mm -hmm. Why am I doing the things that I'm doing and constantly reflecting on action, behavior, especially the things that we do habitually? Like, what is the what purpose does this serve in my life? Is it bringing me closer to who I want to be? Is it in service to a higher good? Or am I just living mindlessly, living unconsciously, just doing what everybody else is doing? Or does this light my soul on fire? Mm -hmm. So that's super, super powerful. And I mean, like, I, I feel like very much resonates with the philosophy and approach that I bring to my life, which is we as individuals have a massive contribution to make to the whole simply by focusing our energies on, on our own internal worlds and deepening our connection to and our relationship with ourselves mm-hmm. and how we operate out in the world, right? That energy that you bring to relationships to situations, to your work, developing ourselves so that we are connected on a deeper level to what that energy looks like and the energy that we bring to the world. Because I mean, as I'm sure you're aware of, your your energy, the way you respond to situations, the way you uh, speak to people and the way that you carry yourself through life, that sends out a, a ripple, like a wave into everyone and everything around you, right? And people, whether you notice it or not, people are affected by that. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Yeah, you you can feel the difference. At least, I mean, I, I know I do. You walk into a room and there's tension. You know, I I, I can really, it's palpable, that, that, that difference in that energy. Or you walk into the room and you feel, you know, there's joy and people are happy and there's laughter. Like that you can, you can change that, you know, you have all the power within you to walk into the room and change that and, and bring the positivity and bring that laughter, bring that joy and radiate that kindness into the room. So that's kind of my philosophy. It's like, you know, as, as simple as it gets, it's like, okay, you know, how do you want to feel? Like, I don't want to feel tense. I don't want to feel stressed because I, you know, I know how it feels to live that way. And I know how it feels to live in on the opposite spectrum. I know how it lives to you know, how it feels to li uh, live, you know, in a joyous state and, and be truly happy and, and comfortable within yourself. So I'm trying to make, you know, for lack of better words, I'm trying to make others feel that as well. Lead by example. And that's one of my favorite lines by Gandhi, be the change, just lead by example and people will follow. And that's super, super powerful to lead with, dude. I love that. So you now I want to talk a little bit about your life, how that that philosophy has influenced you where you are right now. Um, you are a wildland firefighter. Yes, sir. Yep. So how has you went to college for exercise physiology? Yeah, nutrition right? and exercise physiology. So I would love to just hear like the the journey from really being tuned in to like the importance of of the human body and your own connection to it to where you are now as as a wildland firefighter sure yeah strength and conditioning for me has always been kind of a a keystone as far as i can remember as far you know being a competitive athlete growing up being a competitive athlete um i was taught the importance of nutrition and strength and conditioning pretty early which was great and i really i really think that shifted you know my perspective and my life onto the path that it uh, you know that i'm on right now not to say that my, you know, the path would have been bad by any means, but I'm sure it would have been a little different than, you know, where I'm at now. So, like I said, those have always been, you know, the cornerstone in my life, whether, you know, obviously when I had the, the basic foundation, the basic, you know, the, the, the most bare bones understanding of it, sometimes, honestly, that's, that's the kind of best understanding, right? That's the, mo the, the most simple, profound understanding is just being aware of it is, is you know powerful and and can make a lot of you know, things happen in someone's life but knowing myself I, I i tend to obsess over things and i tend to i dive in and i, I go down rabbit holes and I, you know i find the information that you know, other people have but you know that it's not as widely known so i did that with nutrition and i did that with strength and conditioning and i went into you know i was in strength and conditioning that the field and you know just it wasn't, you know, hard to say that I had expectations, but I think everybody has expectations uh, wired into them, especially about something that they believe is their vocation. And I definitely believe that strength and conditioning was mine, knowing how much I enjoyed being in the gym growing up and, you know, throughout high school and throughout college. I really, really believe that that was going to be, you know, end all be all. I was going to be a strength coach. I was going to be a nutritionist uh, and I was going to help individuals become their best selves and, you know. I just do that in a different way now, but, you know, so I, I, I went into the, I went into the field and quickly realized that it may not be right for me. And the fulfillment that I thought I would feel, I wasn't feeling, whether that's 
my expectations skewing the process. I don't know what it was, but I just knew that I wasn't full, fully happy. And I knew that I wasn't giving my giving the, the situation 100% of my effort. And that's something else I pride myself on is, you know, my work. And I really, I really want to give everything that I do the best of my ability. And I, and I really wasn't doing that with, with what I was doing. So at the time, the ideas were circling around in my head. Okay, well, you know, obviously this isn't a, this isn't a life sentence. Your career isn't a life sentence. There's changes that you can make. Uh, you're young. So what else do you want to do? And wildland firefighting was in that mix. That's not typically something that, you know, somebody goes from one career to the next. Oh, I want to be a wildland firefighter. Well, that was my journey into it. I just, I saw myself, I pictured myself. I, I, I like had this very, very vivid image of myself as a wildland firefighter. And I, and I couldn't, I couldn't picture myself as that strength and conditioning coach anymore. I didn't have that vivid image of me, you know, in that position, like I could really image myself as a firefighter. So I decided to go down that path. And then I took myself down that rabbit hole, of, you know, wildland firefighting and the, the, the process that it takes to uh, becoming, you know, what I am now. And, and so I, you know, it's, it's been a process, but, but it's, it's good. The amount of growth that I've experienced from not necessarily liking my position in life, not necessarily liking who I was, not really knowing my identity to where I am now. And, you know, it's completely night and day. And the, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for the experiences that I've had because they've absolutely shaped who I am now. And, and they're going to continue to shape who I become. And, and you know, that's, that's only fuel for the fire. And how has, how long have you um, been firefighting now? Is that more so just, recent or? Yeah, I just finished my first year. Congrats. Thanks, man. Nice. And yeah. like, what, um, like what, what lessons have you learned or what's been just reinforced for you that you like already knew was super important to you through, through that process? Yeah. So, um, teamwork being number one, I think having a tribe of like-minded individuals is so, so very important for men, especially young men and especially the men that are coming, you know, coming into quote unquote manhood. Now the ones that don't have the upbringing necessary to bring them into like a fully blossomed manhood. I really believe that having mentors and having a, a, a tribe of individuals around you that are going to keep you in check and, and, you know, educate you and support you and give you that, that full spectrum support and love. I cherish that as a competitive athlete. And I was trying to find that again. And I found it in a way that I, you know, I, I couldn't really explain. It's hard to explain unless you're in that situation. And I'm sure that like you, you know, you've had experiences where it's like a, you have to be there kind of deal, but it really is. And experiencing the things that you experience with, you know, the, the five, six other guys on your fire crew, it's a pretty, it's super cool. Just like, just like anybody in, you know, special forces or military or law enforcement or, or things like that. Like it's, it's a, it's a legitimate brotherhood. You guys, you get bonded by the experiences. You get bonded by the, you know, the, the struggles that you guys go through as a team. You know, if you know we're hiking into a fire or it's a late night and, you know, we've been up for a while or, you know, I'm hungry or thirsty. I could just look behind me or look ahead of me and see one of my brothers. And they're probably feeling the same way. They're probably in pain. They're probably dehydrated. They're probably hungry as well. They probably miss their family. Like it's a, it's a very unifying struggle. So teamwork in that, that, um, 
that tribe mentality definitely was number one for me. Um, and obviously the, the physical culture of being a firefighter is incredibly motivating to me. I consider myself a pretty in shape individual and, you know, there's the, the competition is, is awesome. Uh, there's, you know, no matter how good you do, there's always, there's always somebody that's pushing you to, to do more. There's always somebody that's going to either be doing better than you or, you know, still, still egging you on to, you know, push those boundaries and, and find that new, you know, upper limit, because I, I thought I had found my upper limits prior to coming, you know, going into firefighting and then getting, you know, in the shit and actually doing it. Like I realized how low those upper limits actually were and how quickly I was able to just completely blow through those and set new ones and then continue to do that and continue to progress. So, you know, those are, those are two pretty big reasons why, uh, you know, firefighting to me or, or wildland firefighting in particular were so, you know, drawing to me. And, and I think for most men, I think they need that kind of outlet. And, and unfortunately we just don't, we don't have that now. So being able to have that, I, I'm definitely grateful. And I'm definitely blessed. Yeah, powerful. I don't think, and I mean, I'm not sure what, and we'll definitely cover this, but generations that are coming up now, teens, adolescents now, I don't even know what that really looks like. I grew up during like the advent of social media as the internet was just starting to like snowball. And I, I don't know what that looks like right now. And I think that importance of, of teamwork, of brotherhood, healthy, healthy competition, and really having other driven individuals around you that push your upper limits. Like you were just saying, like your upper limits were you realized were like super low and now yeah. like, they're just, you've blown the, the roof off the, off the ceiling. Mm -hmm. So in that being a fighter fighter is super rigorous, right? Like it's like a lot of physically, probably mentally and emotionally demanding work, right? Yeah. And, you know, and, and I don't, I don't want to say that, like, it's like a, you know, like a bad thing, you know, we, mm -hmm. I made the choice to do this and just like everybody else does. So it's not a bad thing. Um, the demands are, the demands are exactly what they asked for. So. Plus they're just building you a new baseline exactly. to operate from, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's just beautiful. Um, so like, how do you, so like me, just my, my brain working. <laughs> I out love loud. it, dude. I love it. <laughs> um, so obviously you don't just, you don't just like hop on LinkedIn, click apply and submit a cover letter to be a like firefighter, right? There's um, like an interview process. There's probably like a testing process. Like this is just, firefighting is just really, really interesting to me because it is so um, dependent on like the, the individual, right? Like mm -hmm. being part of that, that, that unit, right? Like being able to carry their weight, carry the weight of their brothers, inspire their brothers to make sure that the whole unit is functioning properly because you have one weak link and the whole system falls apart. Right. Mm -hmm. So obviously there's like a whole process that, that happens and there's a lot of like discipline involved there. Um, and obviously you are a very disciplined individual. And, and we spoke a little bit about that before, just like, you know, needing some form of like structure, discipline, inducing thing in our lives. 
and, and, you know, a lot of people look at the military and, and join the Marines or the Navy. Um, a lot of people join law enforcement and a lot of people join the firefighters. So w- walk me through or walk us through just a little bit about the, the process of becoming a firefighter and like what, like really like on an individual level, like what it takes. Yeah. So I will get to too in depth with like that, the, the logistical things and like the, you know, the application process and the certifications and stuff like that, because that's all information that you can find, you know, whatever with the, with the Google search. Um, federal government likes to make it a little bit more difficult than they should, but you know, that's something that I'm also not going to get into. Um, you know, as far as personally, it's kind of like a, I don't know. I've never, I've never really been one to be satisfied with, with the things that I've done in the past. I'm a, and you said this before and I, I you know, that definitely resonated with me. It was like the, the whole reflection thing. Like that's, that's the power of being human is the ability to reflect. And, and, and it's a blessing and a curse for me because yes, I reflect, but like, I'm also prone to being over analytical and I analyze things probably a little bit too much, especially as it comes to myself. I'm definitely my own worst enemy and my biggest critic. And like I said, a blessing and a curse that, you know, that's something that really drives me forwards. And I've definitely been able to weaponize that kind of self-criticism instead of letting it become a destructive thing. It's a, you know, it's, it's definitely more of like a motivator for me, just simply not being okay with settling or not being okay with being average. That that's number one for me. It's not even a thing of motivation. Like people say, like you said, people say motivation is bullshit. I don't think it's bullshit. I think motivation is, I think motivation is absolutely necessary. And I think motivation and discipline go hand in hand with each other. So I don't think, I don't think the two are mutually exclusive. Motivation is definitely not bullshit. Discipline, you know, there's the, um, the polarity between motivation and discipline and that like, you know, motivation. Yeah. It it comes and goes, right. It's not, it may not be present every day. You may not want to get up and go work out, but you know, discipline's what's going to get you up and out and at the workout or, or at the day attacking the goals that you've, you know, you've set for yourself. So, you know, discipline is always going to be a constant uh, and motivation's not. So at, that sounds probably pretty cliche, but it's, you know, it's, it's factual. You know, as far as my motivations for becoming a, a firefighter, for sure, were the, the ability to express utility as a man. And it was, it's almost like an outlet you know, an, an aggressive physical outlet for me, um, something that, you know, every man needs for sure. It's like a, it's like a war, a physical war against yourself instead of, you know, going internal and making that a mental war. You're allowed to, you know, put yourself under voluntary stress or voluntary struggle to kind of push through those, those boundaries that you've set on yourself or find like who you truly are. Because I don't think, I don't think a lot of men know who they truly are because they're, whether it's being scared to push themselves or just not having the energy or the vitality to do it. I think there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of underlying issues with, you know, quote unquote manhood today or the modern masculinity where it's, it's, it's waning because of the the lifestyles that we live as men. So I really believe that, you know, the, the career that I chose allows me to live the lifestyle that I truly want that optimized, vigorous, lifestyle that I, you know, I believe a man should live. So that's, that's pretty, that kind of sums up the, the why, at least for me. And then obviously the basics, right? Like 
yeah, you're, you're with a team, like I said, that's going to push you day in, day out. Uh, they're not going to allow you to fail. You know, if you do fail, okay, well, then you go back to the drawing board and you, you ask yourself why, and then you build on those things. Um, showing utility as a man, giving yourself an outlet, a physical outlet, that, that healthy competition that men, you know, don't have anymore. I think that's another big one. And then obviously, you know, doing hard physical labor day in and day out, you know, hiking into a fire and then fighting the fire and then hiking out and then sleeping in the dirt or just the, you know, just the little things, just the little things. No, not actually just the little things, but <laughs> for me, for me, those are, those are the, the little things that make the, make my job what it is for me. I mean, it builds so much character and really just hammers into you the importance of some of these like really like core values mm -hmm. of like discipline grit hard work work yeah. ethic like like so, so many things that we see i feel like so little of in today's society and, and you said something that i really really like waning masculinity and it really does feel like that in recent years and i'm not singling anybody out or like judging anybody and like i, I have my own masculine work to do because i think fact of the matter is we're running out of positive healthy masculine role models to begin with i mean you look at our our world leaders and you look the people in quote-unquote power right or or rather in control and like what example are they setting, right? Honesty, rarely see that. Yeah. Integrity, rarely see that. Health, compassion, presence. No. Like there are so many things that the younger generations, myself included, and you can probably speak, speak to this as well. There was a complete absence of that. And I think that we are entering into a new era of masculinity on this planet. We are coming to a, like a, a fork in the road where we're faced with looking back and seeing that how we've been doing things isn't, is, is not working. Right. And we're being faced with the very stark realization, in fact, that our model of masculinity that we have now is responsible for this state of society and the, and the planet as it stands right now. And that model of masculinity that we have burned into our psyches has been handed down from generation to generation, to generation to generation from millennia ago. And it just keeps getting handed down. So as the human race evolves in consciousness, we now get to look at how we've been and we get to ask ourselves, where are we going? Like, how is how we're being currently going to affect the next generation and the next yeah. generation and my children, your children? So we get to decide right now, do we want to start living intentionally? Do we want to start questioning our motives behind what we are, um, what we're doing, what we're valuing and the energy and intention that we're bringing to every single day of our lives, into our relationships, into our work, into everything that we do. So I think there's a really powerful opportunity that we all have as, as men um, and even women listening to this really like reflect on how things have been going and our own personal power, our own individual power to alchemize whatever we've been taught, whatever we've been told is right and real inside of us and, and bringing something totally new that we have a vision for to 
to our lives and bring to to the world mm-hmm. absolutely i it's it's taking it's taking an awakening um another another buzzword that i'm just gonna i'm gonna use and that's not you know that's I'm not using that in any other in any other definition of the word it's literally an awakening and i think that us as individuals i think people are starting to understand people are starting to see the impacts of their lifestyles and and what's more the impact that their lifestyle has on the generations that follow them because we're you know we're setting the tone we're laying the we're laying the bricks for the, the generations after us and and it's pretty scary to see what kind of bricks are being laid down because the vast majority of individuals are okay with being led and they're okay with being told instead of you know telling or or leading and leading by example like you said it's going to take a lot more than you and I unfortunately right i wish it would be wish it would be that easy it's going to take a lot more than you and i discussing this for you know something positive to happen yeah i mean it's great and and the awareness of it is very very beneficial but you know people have to start to understand that the people that you're listening to or whoever you listen to or the the government or what whatever it is they you know they don't have your best interest at heart you know you're that's not they're not it's, it's not coming from the kindness of their heart that they're telling you the things they're telling you. So it's up to, it's, it's up to us as individuals to start making those decisions for ourselves and stop being led. And it's okay to be wrong and it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to fail. That's how you learn. And that's how you continue on this path and lay the right foundations for the others following. Which I think leads us perfectly into um, a question that somebody had for us to, to talk about on this episode, which is modernity and society right now. And I think we covered a little bit of that just in the last few minutes. But yeah, the state of things currently is interesting to reflect on because there comes from just a very brief reflection of like looking at the food system, looking at world governments, looking at the last two years, right? Like what went on in 2020. Um, and I'll kind of filter a little bit here so as not to get the the podcast totally wiped off the face of the internet but it's it's very clear that there's a lot of things that that are not that are not working right we see this in so many areas and so many systems um you know food pharma um this education system so we we all obviously have a role to play right like we can't just toss in the towel and you know look over at our neighbor and say like you got this right like you you can you can figure it out right like no we all have a role to play in the healing or whatever you want to call it that makes the planet and society a a functioning place for everybody like obesity is at an all-time high mental health disorders all-time high things need to change Right. Yeah. And (laughs) yeah, no, I agree. It it really, I think it really comes down to, you know, being as simple as, Hey, like, how is this working? Okay. It's either working well or it's not. And then if it's not working well, okay, what can I do to change things? Okay. So now, so now you have, you can give yourself a specific goal oriented process in what three questions to fix, to fix the issue. And people just aren't willing to do that because they're comfortable. 
whether it's there, you know, I don't know how somebody could be comfortable with this state that we're in currently, but you know, there are people that are comfortable with it. And there are people that are okay with how we're, with how our leadership is making decisions. They're okay with the lifestyles that they live. They're okay with not going outside, not seeing the sun, eating fake food under fake lights all day. The list goes on and on and just letting their health decline continuously year to year. People are okay with that. And and honestly, to me, it's unacceptable. And to a lot of individuals in our sphere, it's unacceptable, which is, it's almost like people, you know, the individuals that are okay with that kind of thing, look at you like you're irrational for, for even thinking, for even an, thinking that. Or an extremist. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And, and now, and then, and then it comes down to, uh, you know, the, the relativity of the discussions like, okay, well, you said this about me and this makes me feel this way. So, you know, you're not allowed to say those things anymore. It just doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. We just, you can, you can really, you can look at something and say, okay, Hey, this makes sense. Or, okay, Hey, this doesn't make sense. What can we do to fix it? Or, Hey, how is this working? Okay. It's not working. Okay. What can we do to fix it? Oh, it's working. Great. Okay. Continue on. Don't fix it. if It's not broken, but there's a lot of things in our society right now that are very, very broken and that need to be fixed that are continuing to become more and more dysfunctional as time goes on. And they're going to continue to become more and more dysfunctional as time goes on because nobody's looking to fix them. Yeah. And I mean, as they get more and more dysfunctional, I mean, as we're seeing as time goes on, it just becomes so clear, just so obvious that things are, are breaking down. Mm-hmm. And I don't think a lot of people want to admit it, but I think we're very quickly approaching a breaking point where things are going to get a lot worse before they get better. But in that beauty, it's almost like a Phoenix, right? Like, Things will have to burn to the ground. And there's that extremism. Um, But things are going to have to burn down so that the new can be reborn from the ashes. Absolutely. Truly, I believe that. And that's that's not like doomsday prepper like energy at all. That's just like, that's real. That's Mm -hmm. the truth. And in that truth is like love and care and intention. And I think that it can be very daunting to reflect on the state of things currently and, and get really hopeless and helpless um, about, about everything. And I, a while back, I was having a conversation with a friend and I was just like, for lack of better terms, like I was just a little bit distraught because yeah. <laughs> I was just like, man, like I want to change. I want to change the world. Right. And it, that's, that's a very large desire to have right like i want to i want to fix things i want to fix everything for everybody and you can't do that like the fact of the matter is is it is far better to focus on what you have control over yeah yeah you can change the world in your own little microcosm right when exactly you, you can you know within with under your under your roof you can change the world under your roof and then those individuals who you have contact with under your roof can change the world under their roofs, right? And, and, and you, can, you can make the changes in, in that way. You can, you can build the world that you want within your world, within your reach. It doesn't necessarily, because, you know, having the utopia world, we know how utopias work. They, it, you know, they never work. But you can build the the ideal world for yourself and for your family and for the individuals that you know that you have an impact on. And I think that is more important than changing the overarching world itself. 
Yeah. And to what I was saying about, you know, having this grand vision of like, I want to change the world, but it feels like an impossible task. Like, yeah, it's, it's going to, thinking about that is going to make you feel like helpless and, and hopeless about the situation because you're just one person. Yep. No matter how like powerful you truly believe yourself to be, that can really make one feel powerless. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really just an invitation to, to look at like your own individual world and really start there and understand that you have an immense amount of true power. Like I'm not talking about like power in terms of like large military forces and, you know, militias, things like that. Like that's not, that's not power. We only ever have power over ourselves. So to, to focus our attention and our energy on our own lives and the immediate communities and, and individuals, people around us that we influence through who we are and who we show up as in the world, I think is some of the most powerful action that can be taken on an individual level. And I truly believe that that is the way that we, you know, as individuals change, change the world. Obviously, I don't think we're going to solve all of the world's problems on this, this podcast, but that's, I think if anybody listening to this has ever had the inclination to you know, be, be a change maker, be a visionary and want to make things better. Just focus on right now. Mm-hmm. Focus Start on the Exactly. Exactly. Agreed. Powerful. Very, it, it, it's so simply articulated. It doesn't have to be articulated in a complex manner for it to make complete sense and for it to be like a profound statement. And I think that's, that's another thing. It's, you, it doesn't have to be complex. It never it, there, it doesn't have to be complicated. In fact, it shouldn't be complicated. The the simpler it is, the better, because then your reach is your reach is far greater. You reach a, a greater audience. Simple for me will always be better. Simplicity is is key and definitely a cornerstone value in in my life. Definitely, it hasn't hasn't been in the last few years, but it has certainly become like more and more important as as the years go on to just live as simply as possible, eat as simply as possible. Yeah. It's, it's a powerful, powerful way to be. And I think something I was reading the other day, and something that all spirit, take a look at all spiritual and religious texts, like all of the teachings in those texts speak to just how simple life and, and reality really is. Mm-hmm. And uh, a common phrase that you hear a lot is look within. And it's, it, simply does not need to be any more complicated than that. And I think that might be one of the major reasons why things are as they are now. Mm-hmm. Just the mind's penchant for complexity and the ego's desire to create problems out of nothing so that it can feel in control. Mm-hmm. That was a, a major, major tangent. Do you have any, do you have any more thoughts on just society in general or like the modern, yeah. the modern age? Yeah, absolutely. I think, sure. I think, I think it's easy for individuals and I, I definitely have seen it happen, you know, on our side of Instagram and I've definitely been, um, I've definitely done it myself, but the whole, like, you know, reject modernity or modernity thing. I, you know, it, it has, it has good foundation. Sure. 
there, you know, obviously there, there are some things about the modern world or whatever postmodernism or modernism or whatever you want to call it that are absolutely substantial and absolutely, you know, need to be here. And there's a lot of things that have been introduced by modernism or whatever post-industrial revolution era that you just have no place being here and, and complexity being one of them. The, un, the unnatural, unnecessary complexity to things. And it just continues to be exacerbated by the technological age that we live in, the amount of information that we have at our fingertips at all times. And, and the age, the entrance age to the technological age that we're getting, it's getting, you know, it's, it's lower and lower every year. There's, you know, there's children with iPhones, you know, Apple watches and, and all these just unnecessary things to a child. And it, it's, it gives them, you know, for lack of better words, all the power in the world to, to find things that they shouldn't be finding. And it takes away from that innocence that, that I know I had as a child. It's very disappointing to me to see because it's, you know, childhoods are being taken away so, so early now. And you can, you see the way the children behave and they're so used to interacting on their phones, right? That's all that's, you know, that that's really a majority of the interaction that we see in this digital age is is over phone or you know over the computer or whatever and you can't have empathy and you can't you can't approach somebody with love or you know like a, a actual warmth over a phone over text so i think we're we lack that individual connection we lack the like true intimate connection of seeing someone face to face being able to touch them being able to hear their words and like actually truly listening to them without distraction. Yeah, it's a really powerful perspective, that disconnection mm-hmm. to to our own humanness. 100%. Right? Yeah, so disconnected to everything that makes us who we are as humans. Like how simple, how simple is life when you're at your happiest? I can tell you when I'm at my happiest and it's when I'm out of cell phone connection or cell phone reception, when I'm up in the mountains camping or sitting around a campfire. Or hanging out with a group of my friends, same thing. Cell phones are gone, right? There's no, there's no, there's no complexity. There's no distraction. I'm, I'm simply tuned into the individual that I'm tuned into, and that's it. That's as simple as it gets. That's, that's big. I think you just cracked the code as to <laughs> why we're seeing just rampant disorder in so many people's lives. Because it's just like the, the fact of the matter is that like we are so connected digitally that we have become so disconnected from our own like human nature and our need for connection to other humans like we just fucking lost that totally and you know going further it's like it's fostering that the you know the dopamine addiction relationship to phones and to the the information that they can receive from phones or whether it's whether it's swiping through instagram or tiktok or or these kids you know watching pornography even when it's even when it's a, a child who you know whatever they don't know better but they're still rewiring their brain and they're still rewiring their the, that brain chemistry to prefer that over a genuine human connection right around the time that I was you know starting to become interested in girls was right around the time that you know uh, smartphones were coming out and, and that access was you know you could you could have access to that that completely underground world that I had no clue existed prior to phones, or or like what you were supposed to do with it, or if it was wrong. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Even even if it was seen as like, oh, it's just boys being boys, or oh, it's an innocent 
it's an innocent thing. Like it's still a very, very, it's like, for lack of better words, a mind altering substance. I mean, come on, like it really, it really is. You can see the, the, the drug like addiction that, you know, pornography has had on, on, on the minds of men. You can, and you can see it progress throughout their lives, right? Like I said, it starts as an innocent, okay, this, you know, oh, he's, he's being, he's being a boy, this boy's being boys, he's exploring himself, okay, great. But then it starts to become more and more perverted. And then the, the man's cycle through his life starts to reverse, right? Okay, so it starts just whatever pictures, and then it turns to videos, and then it turns to more hardcore, more hardcore, 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 just continues on. And as you know, this, this individual needs more and more dopamine to continue to feed that, like, feed the need or that addiction for that feeling right at the end of that or, or at the height of the addiction that person's probably you know a lifeless right just like so and, it, and it's not even just porn right it's it's drugs or whatever it is that somebody can get addicted to right that height of addiction that person is so so completely reliant on that substance for that feeling of you know the higher or the the, the good feeling that they're completely you know it just goes backwards it just isolating and completely just a, a the the antithesis to humanity, right? Just such a cold, isolated, disconnected, terrible feeling. One hundred percent. And I mean, taking it back a little bit to the conversation previously, then that is what is being brought into the future generations, exactly. right? Like that is those are the 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 values or the lifestyles or you know whatever somebody is composed of is then instilled on the next generation. So I would love to ask you, because you brought up the idea of like utility as a man, right? And that's something that you you value quite a bit, like the ability to, and the opportunity to prove, not prove. Um, prove, absolutely. Yeah, the opportunity to to prove your utility as a man to your to your brothers, to your community and to others, to the, to the world at large. So I would love to ask you just like, what, what does that really mean to you? Why is that important to you? And why should it be important to others? Mm -hmm. And how others can go about really bringing that ideology into their lives? Yeah, as a man, it's a great responsibility being a man. And it used to be that it was a, a huge responsibility to be a man. And I still, and I still think that's a very, very respectable burden to bear. And I, I believe that, you know, most, most men don't bear that burden and most men don't see the responsibility that they have to the world, whether they're distracted or whatever it is that's, you know, keeping them from seeing the quote unquote light that is the responsibility that we have as men as providers or producers or protectors. I, I wholeheartedly believe in that responsibility and proving yourself as a man goes back as far as, you know, the first, whatever, the first homo sapiens or the, you know, whoever, whoever it was, you know, whatever it was, anthropologically, evolutionarily, it goes back as far as humans go as men have always been proving themselves. That's always been a part of a man's life is being able to prove his utility, whether it's for mating purposes or for leadership purposes of a tribe it's always been a priority and it's just now you know recently within within the lines of this whole the whole testosterone depletion and the whole decline of testosterone in men you're seeing that the competition 
the urge to prove yourself as a man has also gone down too, or it's just not there at all. There are certain, there are certain, you know, facets of, of life that require men to prove themselves, but it's not like a true life or death scenario. It's not like a true, and, and I'm not saying what I'm doing is life or death. I'm just saying like a man needs to prove himself. It's a necessity that a man proves his utility to, whether it's a tribe, whether it, it, it definitely should be to himself. He should know his worth to himself. Absolutely, wholeheartedly, no doubt. Every man should know that. Proving it to a tribe, absolutely. I agree. I think, I think number one or in a man's life should be his, his tribe, right? His, the people surrounding him. I think that's, that, that's what it is to be a man is to be able to provide and protect and you have individuals around you that look to you for that. And if you are unable to give that, then what, then what happens? I mean, you, you're not less of a man, but there are consequences to that. Absolutely, man. And, and, and hearing you, you talk about that, just like a man's, the necessity to prove yourself and prove your worth and the spiritual community will probably get up in arms like no you don't need to you don't need to prove anything you're worthy just because you are and like while yes i believe that we're also on a spiritual level yes but Mm on a a human on an animal level we live in the animal kingdom like there is a there is a hierarchy and we need to especially as males there is that competition there is that need to prove worth and value, right? Like like a, there a, is... very, a very, very, very primal reptilian brain urge to prove yourself. And you can't, it's not like you can just shut that off because you, someone tells you you're okay being the way you are. That's not, that's not how it works. There's polarity in this world that exists for a reason. The polarity as above, so below, right? Yes, the, the, your higher self, yes, it's okay. You are as you are, you come as you are, great. But the, there's a there you know there's a lower version of yourself too that that exists as well. It's whether whether you're you follow you know Jung or you know the the shadow self or you know the, the deep subconscious or whatever it is. There's a part of you that exists solely to survive, and and it's an animalistic. It's a, it's a very animalistic side of you that men just aren't in touch with. And and quite frankly, I believe that most men are afraid of. Yeah. Absolutely. The complete disownership or just denial of the, the shadow side of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, just the, the place that we're at in society, you know, men are told all manner of things about who they are, who they need to be, what their emotions are. And then, you know, seeing the, the stark contrast between like what we're told we need to be and then feeling what comes up inside and experiencing what comes up inside and then having that not look exactly the same and being truly like afraid like scared that that is what we really are inside so we shove that down we repress suppress and use coping mechanisms to escape that fear of of feeling what is coming up that like primal rage Mm -hmm. that anger for um, situations or the work that we're doing or the state of things and not wanting to look at that and that's when dysfunction happens i I love this um this analogy for the shadows like you don't lock the shadow in the Mm -hmm. basement because that's when it starts starts playing with matches and lights the whole fucking house on fire you need to accept it you need to invite it up into the kitchen 
having a seat at the dining table for sure yeah it's 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 in the i think the the root of the dysfunction is in the disowning of a part of yourself that is vital to you as a man Mm -hmm. that's where Mm -hmm. that's where you see the dysfunction is because you're being taught how to be a man by a man who's not fully himself someone who has disowned that side of them it's that's a very real that's a very viable side of them someone that's just completely disowned that is not a full it's not they're not a full man and that's not that's not derogatory in any sense of the word right that's not i'm not trying to be derogatory i'm not telling somebody that they're not a man because they've because they're doing what they've been told to do i'm just saying that's a factual thing we're being taught we're being taught how to be men by men who aren't whole themselves and that's the issue with the masculinity that we see today the adulterated half 50 50 version of masculinity we see today isn't the full encompassing version of masculinity that we need. It's okay to integrate the aggressive animalistic side of you because that is you as a man, just as much as it is anybody else, right? It's okay to be that way. It, it, you should be that way. And it's not okay to, to disown that part of you. It's masculinity based out of fear yeah. of, of yourself. And that's not masculinity. Yeah. Yeah. So then, so then what is it that we've been teaching them? What is it that we've been being taught? Fear? Because it's not masculinity. What do you say to that? You can't say anything, you know, because I don't have an answer to that. Yeah. Yeah, right. My father doesn't have an answer to that. His father probably doesn't have an answer to that. That's a generational, a generational question that should have been asked prior to me. I want to take it back just a sec to, to what you were saying about the necessity to prove your utility as a man and proving to your your community and something came up for me there um which is like our what is our first community that we're exposed to right that's our family unit and i think that's a a a major building block that is missing the foundation of society today is the family unit being totally decimated right like father's missing mother's missing divorce rates 85 percent. i love random statistics that's not factual um, just so high, right? Like divorce right. rates so high and just splintered family units. What does that show? And what does that give kids, the children who are the future of humanity to model after? Like what example does that set? And you know, I, we could get so deep into yeah. the mechanisms that, that the insidious mechanisms that are in place to make that happen. Mm-hmm. But I, I really just like that, that really like, hit me when you were talking about proving your utility as a man, we don't, a lot of people don't have that healthy family unit to begin with to, you know, model this healthy behavior after and like learn healthy behaviors from. So the importance of community, especially as, I mean, obviously community is important for the feminine as well, but for the masculine, so, so important brotherhood, and like, just like you were talking about earlier, teamwork, healthy competition, and like raising like your standards for operation in, in like your life. So, so important. Agreed. I, and, and as far as tribes go, or as far as community goes, I think initiated men are important as well. I think there, there's no substitute mm-hmm. for an initiated man in a, in a, in a boy's life. You can see the difference between 
whatever you, you know you can call you can call a gang a community right you can call a gang a tribe but you get those pseudo initiations in the individuals and they're taught that again they're taught the 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 adulterated version of masculinity so it it takes it takes a truly initiated man or men to come in as leaders and and someone who has embraced himself as a you know as a full embodiment of full spectrum masculinity someone who's not afraid of that animal side someone who's not afraid of themselves and what they're capable of as men because you don't know what you're capable of until you see it so these you know these individuals that are yeah i just i think i think it takes an initiated man i think it takes initiated men to lead boys into a man, into manhood into full spectrum masculinity yeah do you uh do you think we've at at this point in the modern age do you think we've like because obviously being initiated or having the space to go through an initiation be created like that takes somebody who has been initiated themselves yeah. So do you think that that's something that we've just lost that's just like wiped off the face of the planet at this point? Because I know tribal groups, you know, the, the elders, stewards of the land have, you know, been able to create that space where, you know, the, the tribesmen, adolescent tribesmen can like go through these initiations and come yeah. back from the wilderness, right? As, as a man, have we just completely lost that? No, I don't think so. I just think, I think we need to reground ourselves into what it means to be men first and foremost, because that question is so lost on us. So I think, I think that's number one for anybody who's conscious and aware of themselves as men to ask themselves, okay, well, what is true masculinity? What, what, you know, who am I as a man and what am I capable of as a man? I think that's, I think those are all very, very valid questions that we should be asking ourselves often. I love the direction that this has gone. <laughs> I know it's good. I'm enjoying this as well. Yeah, man. Um, cause I mean, this is all so, so important. Right. And this, this, these are things that I like frequently reflect on, um, because it's so important. Um, and I don't know how deep you've gotten into just like masculine and feminine polarity, but like, that's like the yin and the yang, it's everything. Oh, yeah. It's 50, 50, 50. Right. And that's, you know, something that I think we are again, coming to a crossroads on like being able to accept the fact in this modern age that we're all of it like yeah. me as a man while i have a masculine essence i'm still 50 percent masculine energy and 50 percent feminine energy and sometimes that's going to be more balanced to to one side than the other but like there is no disowning it's mm. all part of of the individual and i and it's it goes the same microcosm to the macro yep i agree yeah, there's the the polarity that exists inside of you exists in the world right you you're literally you were like you just said you're a microcosm of the macro right you you you're a, you were a small piece of the puzzle that is everything and you have bits and pieces of that puzzle just like everybody else does and you as your you know single puzzle piece make up the whole puzzle you know i i mean at this point in the conversation i think you know we've we've gotten to the place that we were supposed to get um mm -hmm. i think you know the 
the topic of masculinity and what true masculinity is um, has been well discussed on our sides of social media and on the internet for, for quite some time. And I think there's a lot of bastardized, adulterated, adulterated versions of what masculinity is from people who one have not been initiated themselves and, and two who don't truly embody the the values and core characteristics of the healthy masculine mm-hmm. right so my question to you is and and I'm not you know putting you on the spot as like the the end all be all you know sage of masculinity but Obviously, this is something that you've considered quite a lot, more so than, you know, the average dude. What do you think the, the steps are for us as, as individuals, um, as, as men, and, and, you know, even women, you know, who have masculine partners? Like, what are some steps forward that we can take to really ground in the truth of what real healthy initiated masculinity and masculine energy is mm-hmm. so that we I can bring that to the world for sure it's as simple as taking it's as simple as taking ownership taking responsibility for who you are and what you are and embracing that and then like cherishing that as well because i feel almost as if it's you know we're being told it's a bad thing to be masculine right? We're, we're being told that it's not okay to be aggressive. It's not okay to be competitive. It's not okay to exist naturally who you are. And I, you know, I'm not one to get offended by what other people say, but I think that's fucking wrong. I just, I think that's 100% wrong. And it's leading individuals into the issues that we have now. People are so lost men specifically young men even more specifically are so lost on how to behave on how to carry themselves because they're being told what they feel is wrong how they are naturally is wrong and i think that's i think that's as fucked up as it gets yeah and i we we touched on that a little bit earlier just like the the judgment that Mm -hmm. is is instilled on us individually to judge ourselves and what we're actually experiencing inside um, juxtaposed to what we're, we're told is, is right and wrong. So man, that's in one word, just ownership. Yeah. And you can accept and celebrate and cherish yourself as a man too. I think that that really, really helps to bear the burden because the responsibility that we have as men or at least, you know, men that are useful, that's a big responsibility and it's a large burden to bear. So you, find the chances to celebrate and cherish yourself and and then even find the community find the tribe that's going to be there to help support you and cherish you as well and to keep you in check because we need that too and i think the paradox with ownership at least for the the man that lives in the current paradigm of oh like masculinity is bad toxic masculinity like all of this stuff that are just fabrications of the current climate of things the paradox is you can't take ownership and like responsibility for yourself as a human being as a man in totality if you are not connected to your emotions 
if you are disconnected from your internal world and what's going on there, if something comes up and you just immediately judge it, repress it, suppress it, push it away. No, that's bad. Can't feel yeah. that. That's not me. That's not what, what a man does, yep. right? That's not what a man feels, yep. right? Like that is in, in essence, what the fuck is wrong? Mm-hmm. Just disowning ourselves. So. Yeah, there's, exactly. That's, there's another part of that disownership. It's not just the aggressive animalistic side of you. It's also the emotions and feelings that make you human. Like you're not supposed to be a robot. It's okay to feel emotions aren't feminine. And, and it really, really bothers me when, you know, when it, that's like a, a whatever man, you know, men can't the, the whole stoicism debate. I, I, I practice stoicism on a daily basis. Right. And I think, I think men should practice stoicism, but that doesn't mean that you're repressing emotions, that you're not feeling feelings that just, it just, it doesn't really make sense to me. And, and it, I think it's intuitively wired in us as men, right? You know, from the womb, like we have everything in us that it takes. Well, you know, maybe not anymore with the way nutrition and epigenetics are, are going in, in the fall of testosterone and all that stuff. But that's a completely different debate, completely different story. Another podcast. But that's for another podcast for sure. As far as genetic wiring and innate wiring goes, we have everything within us that we need to be a fully embodied masculine male. And it's only as we start growing up and gaining consciousness that we begin to lose those pieces that make us men. And and early on, the first thing that we lose is the ability, maybe not the ability, I shouldn't say the ability, because no matter who you are, you're going to, you have the ability to feel emotions. But early on, we are told that, hey, you know, boys don't cry. Boys don't feel emotion. That you, you know, it's a, it's girly to blah, 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 whatever it is. So that's how we base our, that's the first thing we base our view on masculinity on. Or some, some men, some young boys don't even have a masculine role, role model or figure to base their masculinity on. So, so now they have no example to be led by. And now they're just being told how to be men instead of, right they don't they don't have the basis to act those experiences out they don't have the basis to find it for themselves they're just acting how they're told because that's what they think is right i feel like that perfectly encompasses so much of not even the problem with the way things are right now that encompasses perfectly the opportunity that we all have to step up to show up and to really get clear and honest with ourselves about how we're living our lives and the contribution that we want to make to everyone around us, our communities and the world at large, because the fact of the matter is, and we've covered this extensively already, the individual does have the power to change a hell of a lot Mm -hmm. simply through who they are, simply through their being, their embodiment and the intention and action and values that they seek to expand in the world. So obviously there's like this major call for us individually to, to really step up for ourselves, for the people in our lives, and our communities. I, I really believe that one of the places that we can start individ- as individuals to really hone in on our contribution and really get excited about what we really bring to the collective is taking a look at our core values because that's, I mean, really what we see manifested in the world in, in a lot of places. And, and those are things that were handed down 
to your parents from their grandparents and their grandparents and their grandparents and their parents and you know the the society that they lived in like values of like work ethic love respect responsibility ownership like all of these things that have kind of been lost you know in the the separation of these family units and and um healthy households in you know the lives of of children being raised in today's society so what are some of your personal values that you through the intention that you bring to your work and to your life like what what are the values that you really hold close to you and and that you seek to expand out in the world and, and you know by expanding those you will you see those out in the world expanding you see other people you meet other people and you gravitate towards other people who hold those values to be true so what do those look like for you integrity honesty respect empathy i mean shoot i i could i could go on about you know the the core values um but I think I think integrity and honesty and just like a, a really, really trying to be as honest of a person as I can be and, and showing up as honestly as I can be to whoever it is that I'm dealing with. I think I think that is a good foundation for anybody to have, you know, not just me, um, you know, a foundation on integrity and, and respect and honesty. You can't you you can never go wrong with that. Commitment to truth. And that's, that will take you a long, long way. And I think that that is in essence, like the, the most valuable thing that we as individuals can bring to society. Totally. Well, dude, this has been one hell of a conversation. I just want to wrap things up with, because I know that you're, you're a big reader, big writer, um, and you know, the value of literature. And I mean, dude, just the, the way I look at books is like, you're, you know, for, you know, 300 page, like nonfiction novel about religion, spirituality, mindset, like whatever, whatever you're interested in, right? Like you are entering the mind of the person reading that who spent thousands of hours developing whatever it is they needed to develop within themselves to come up with this book that serves to help you. And you know, whether, you know, people want to agree with this or not is something that I believe in, in literature that I'm reading right now, like coming to understand that like everything around us has consciousness and exists at a level of consciousness. And I think that books are really, really powerful ways to align ourselves and raise ourselves to the level of consciousness of specific individuals that we look up to, that we can learn from. So I wanna pose you the question, what are, let's say three of your favorite books or three books that have impacted you the most in your life? So I'll keep it, I'll keep it to nonfiction. Um, Iron John, definitely Iron John, Fire in the Belly and The Way of the Superior Man. One, one other to piggyback on way of the superior man. This is one that I'm like halfway through from the core by John Wyland He's a student of David Dieta and he builds on a lot of his work and how modern masculinity is currently functioning and how we can step into something greater. So definitely another powerful one. I haven't heard of those other two. So I'm going to, I'm going to look those up and have to get those in a shopping cart. Super, super powerful conversation, man. Yeah. Thank you for, thank you for hopping on with me. Is there any place 
that people who want to learn more about you or follow the work that you are doing, um, that they can connect with you or find you online? Yeah, it's just power rhetoric on Instagram. I'm sure it'll get linked on this show, but that's that's the only place you'll find me. So beautiful. All right. Sure. Until next time. Thank you, man.